0: following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. All right, thank you. I do have the great privilege, one of the, my favorite things to preach on is baptism. Um, so I, am just happy to be able to do that. I had a couple of exhortations that I just want to release that kind of came during worship. Um, I've been considering uh, lately the, the scripture in Romans 8:28. and we all know it, right? Everybody knows Romans 8:28. all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And we tend to stop there. But Romans 8.29 says that the purpose that all things are working together for good for those of us that love God and are called according to purpose is so that we can be conformed to the image of Christ. That means that if you are one of his beloved, if you are a son, if you're a daughter of God, then anything that's happening in your life, everything and everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly are all pointing towards one thing. That you can be more like Jesus. I I tell you, in our nation, we're going through some horrendous things right now. But what I'm seeing in the spirit, what I believe that I'm seeing is a church who is beginning to look more like Jesus. The real church is beginning to look more like Jesus. Religion is being separated from those that are called according to his purpose. So I, want to, I just want to encourage you, I don't care what your circumstances is, I, 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 there are, to use my English properly, I don't care what your circumstances are, they are all designed, if you're a beloved one, to conform you, to bring you into the beauty of Jesus. Amen. We sang this morning about the beauty of Jesus. We sang about the excellency of Jesus that's our destiny. That's your destiny, that we look more like Jesus. Jordan, you did a fantastic job of rightly representing the heart of Jesus this morning and bringing us into a worship of the one, but that's the one that I want to be like. I don't want to grow up to be like Pastor Bob (laughs) I love Pastor Bob and everything, but I tell you, there's another one that I want to grow up to be like. So I just want to encourage you, whatever it is, I challenge you, when you're going through stuff, ask Holy Spirit, how is this conforming me to the image of Christ? I I challenge you, ask Jesus that. You'd be amazed at the answers that you get. The good, the bad and the ugly. it doesn't matter. The second thing that I want to encourage because i have I have such a heart for for moms and for for uh, women. Um, we've been having a thing happening at my house lately you know I'm a grandpa and uh, a couple of weeks back, the grandkids came over and they asked me and Susie. they asked, hey, if grandpa's the one that built the house and if grandpa's the one that you know works and pays the mortgage for the house, they probably didn't use the term mortgage, but if grandpa does all that, how can we call it granny's house? And I thought, you know, you've got something there. So I started a movement. I said, we're, we're changing the words to this song, over the river and through the wood to Grandma's mother's house. We now sing it, they always balk at it, but I sing it, over the river and through the woods to grandpapa's house we go. <laughs> Here's the point. Here's the point. Being a homemaker is a high and holy calling. It can be really frustrating. It can be hard. Susie State was a stay-at-home mom. I tell you, she didn't take the easy road. She did not take the easy road. And not everybody's called to be a stay-at-home mom. That's not the point. But I want to encourage homemakers. I can build a house. And I built my house, you know, I I mean, I I pounded the nails, I did all the stuff. But a house is a home because of what Susie does. So I just want to, I just feel like I want to exhort homemakers in your high and holy calling this morning. So I get to preach on baptism. I I love preaching on baptism. There's four things that I want to accomplish today. Uh, The first thing is that, number one, we're having a baptism next week. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you're not getting baptized, come on and be a witness. Come on and cheer your brothers and your sisters on. Come on and, and delight in this, um, th- this high and holy time for so many people next week. But really, I-, I love the baptism service, too. I-, I agree with you, Jay Bryan. That was such a- an awesome time, uh, just being together as a family and seeing people transformed through baptism. But the second thing that I want to do is I want to increase your faith when we're administering baptism. We call it a believer's baptism for a reason, because you've got to believe, not just in Christ, but believe that when you are being baptized, there is a transaction that is, being, that is taking place in the Spirit. This isn't just an outward sign of an inward work. It can be that, and it does demonstrate some of that, but it's much, much more than that. That when you are baptized by faith, when you're baptized believing that the things that baptism says that it's going to do, what Paul wrote about baptism, when you actually believe it, it actually transforms your life. And that there is a a transaction that takes place in the waters of baptism. In fact, I believe that it's both a death certificate and it's a marriage certificate. We'll get into that in a little bit. But you will die, but you die for the purpose of being married to another. And just as important as uh, a funeral is, how many know that if you've lost a loved one, it's like things aren't settled until you have the funeral service. And it's like it does something internally that makes it real. Marriage, I believe, when it is done before God, with covenant, with witnesses, that there is something that happens inside that it's more than just a piece of paper. Yeah. You know, my my marriage certificate is it, it, it doesn't it pales in comparison to the reality of becoming one with somebody else. And you have to die, right? I had to die to myself to become one with Susie. And that's this thing that happens. I believe in baptism. I believe that you can be saved and not have baptism. I believe that salvation comes by putting your faith in Jesus Christ for for your sins. And I believe that you are a son and a daughter of God when you say yes to Jesus. But there's a step of obedience that is commanded in the scriptures that we'll be going over that says that you repent, you come into sonship, into being a daughter, you come into forgiveness of sins, but then there's a next step. And it's for the crucifixion of your flesh. It, you know, the, the cross and baptism is an instrument of death. And we need to believe. How many have ever wondered, I, I, I know the truths, and I've preached the truths about being crucified with Christ. And the old man being, being crucified, Right? But I've also had to ask the question, how come that bugger still has such a loud voice? You, you know? Well, a lot of it is we don't really believe. We don't believe that we are being crucified with Christ. When you go into the waters of baptism, there is something that dies of the old nature, of the Adam, of the Adam nature. The second thing that I, or the third thing that I want to do is I really want to give. scriptural backing to administering baptism right along with salvation. We're going to go in with that. In the New Testament church, they preached the two together. They didn't preach, well, you can just get saved, now go on your way, be be happy, you know. They preached salvation followed up with baptism. My own experience, mine and Susie's experience is that we uh, said yes to Jesus. I didn't even know what I was saying yes to they preached the gospel till us, you know, in, in Don's kitchen till two o'clock in the morning. Then he asked if we wanted to pray and receive Jesus. And I thought, heck, I'm Catholic. I was baptized as a baby, and I, what do I need? But something inside went, This is right. This is what you've been looking for. So I said, Yeah, I'll pray. And I prayed. Prayed the prayer. Well, these people were crazy enough that they just believe that when you pray the prayer, you get baptized. So at 2:30 in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, he's on the phone with the elders of the church down in southeastern Minnesota. And they're saying, hey, we've got a baptism down the creek. We'll see you there in, in half an hour. And a bunch of people showed up <laughs> for a baptism at 2.30 in the morning. And I tell you, I went in the, again, you know, do you want to be baptized? Susie was more ready and, and Linda, they, they were all in. I was still saying, I don't know. I don't do it just to do it, you know. But that same voice said, no, this is right, Dave. I said, oh, Okay. So I got baptized. I went in the water one way, and I came out a different way. But there is a power in preaching not just salvation, but the next step of being immersed into the person of Jesus Christ. More than religion. The other thing, that, the last thing that I want to do, you might be here and you might be questioning baptism for yourself, but I believe that if you're more than about 30 seconds old in the Lord, you should be administering baptism. In other words, we don't leave it. Yes, we are having a service next Sunday. I think in some ways it's a tragedy that people have to wait for our yearly baptism. Yeah. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that qualifies you to make disciples and to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That if you're discipling nations, then it's on you to bring baptism in, people into baptism. Do you know what I'm saying there? I want you to have a confidence that you know what baptism is about, that you know the power of baptism, that you can administer a believer's baptism, not a religious baptism, a believer's baptism, where people can be baptized in faith and know that something's going to happen in the waters of baptism and know it beyond a shadow of doubt. You might be here and you might have done a religious baptism. Could I just encourage you to Take advantage next week of a believer's baptism. It'll make a difference. I've been baptized three times. All three times are very, very powerful. They were amazing times. I'll get into that in a little bit. So with those four things in mind, that's where I want to go with baptism. I I just want us to to fully embrace the beauty of baptism and the joy, the celebration of baptism. I'm not gonna be here next week, doggone it. I wish, I wish I was here next week, I'm not. But I'm going to be celebrating. No, we're at Judy's. Excuse us while we have a conversation. We'll talk about it later. I don't think I'm going to be here next year, but I'm notorious for messing up dates. So I actually forgot I was preaching today. Scary stuff, Brian. So the early church preached uh, salvation and baptism in, in one breath. Uh, Jesus did say in the Great Commission in Matthew 8, uh, or 28, 18, uh, Jesus came and spoke to them all saying, these are Jesus' final charge to the church. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Now you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe the things that I have commanded you, I am with you uh, always, even to the end of the earth. It was important for Jesus to mention that you go, you make disciples, and you make disciples by baptizing them, by bringing them into an encounter in the Spirit that actually causes something to die and something else to resurrect. Yeah. It was important enough for Jesus to say that in his final words. So I love preaching the gospel. I love preaching salvation. But I tell you what, when I want to preach salvation to somebody, I want to get them baptized too. I want them to know the fullness of what Jesus has for them. So baptism is really exciting. Jesus uh, preached it. I want to just go over some scriptures where baptism is being preached. Uh, Acts chapter 2, We've been talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, as we all know, is when Pentecost, when when Holy Spirit fell upon people. And Peter preaches this amazing salvation message, right? And it results in people being cut to the heart. This is Acts chapter 2, 37 and 38 and 39. Um, But it results in people being cut to the heart. It's like something happened inside with the preaching of the word to the point where these people, religious folks, they're mainly Jews, a lot of Jews in Jerusalem at the time, but they, they're, they're, they're struck by the fact that they had crucified the Lord in Christ. <laughs> they're cut to the heart, and they, they ask Peter, what do we do? What do we do about this? And Peter says, this is what you do, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins. Then it goes on in verse 39, and says, the promise of the Spirit will be delivered to you. So repent and be baptized. Now, there's an order there. There's an order of repenting. It's being cut to the heart with your sin. Being cut to the heart with the fact that we cannot do this thing on our own. It's being cut to the heart with a self-righteousness and that how appalling that is to God. I think, Luke, you had a word years ago that I've never forgotten. And you came up and you said that the, the strength of man is a stench with God. How many like that word? <laughs> Depends on if you're trusting in your own strength in that, I guess. But there's a truth to that, that when you understand the absolute beauty and purity and holiness of God... It's like trying to be that is absolutely impossible. That's really good news. Because now we can quit trying. Because we can never make it. All we can do is die. The only, I think it was John Wayne said this. Partner, the only good flesh is dead flesh. Didn't John Wayne say that? You're a movie buff, right? <laughs> the only dead flesh is good flesh. And this is... Uh, that's what baptism does. It, does. it is to crucify the old man. It is an instrument of death. Um, verse 40, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gr- gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. I want to suggest to you that they made the tally of people that were added to them in the waters of baptism. You know, I don't think that they knew who was being added to them by everybody say a prayer after me. You know, Uh, just bow your heads and say this prayer and if you mean it in your heart. I I believe that there was the action of baptism that caused them to be able to number the fact that there were 3,000 being saved. I, I believe that. I think that that's what happened. There are some... Cultures in some nations in the world that you can say the name of Jesus and you'll be left alone, but it's when you actually go through the action of being baptized that all of a sudden it can cost you your life. There are some places in the world that that happens. So baptism is the thing that sets us apart. Baptism, the the meaning of the word is to be whelmed, to be overwhelmed, to be totally immersed. I always think of like the Titanic. How many know that when the Titanic sank, there wasn't a square inch of that ship where water didn't enter in? It was consumed. It was absolutely consumed. And that's what baptism is. Um, So when we baptize people, we put them all the way under. Now, I just baptized uh, last, last summer uh, Susie's grandmother, I mean, Sarah's, Scott's grandmother. And she was 97 years old, I think, something like that. And she just wanted to be baptized before she died. She knew she was going to die. And we didn't submerge her. She's on breathing tubes and everything. But I was so proud of Scott. Scott was dipping into the swimming pool. Remember that, Sarah? Buckets. And he just kept dumping it over her. Not once. (laughs) Not twice. Not three times. He just kept pouring water on Grandma. And Grandma was just so touched. She was just filled with peace. And it was an amazing time. 97. You're never too old to be baptized. (laughs) You can be too young to be baptized, I believe. Here's some examples of the uh, New Testament. Acts chapter 8 uh, verses 12 and 13. So there's a, there's a revival going on. Uh, Philip, the evangelist, is down in Samaria. And all sorts of people are, are being amazed with, with the preaching of the gospel. And they're seeing signs and wonders and miracles. And they, um, uh, many of them started to believe Acts chapter 8 verse 12 says, but when they believed Philip, see they repented, they believed as he preached, because he preached the gospel of repentance, turning from this life into the kingdom of God. He preached concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus. Both men and women were baptized. And then Simon, who was a sorcerer, he had had a demonic stronghold on the people, but he repents, and Simon himself believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing miracles and signs and wonders that were done. An amazing story. But they, Philip preached salvation and then followed it up with baptism. The Ethiopian eunuch, again, it's Philip. How many remember the story of the Ethiopian eunuch? He's uh, driving along in his carriage. He's reading the scrolls from Isaiah and uh, he's kind of confused, what, what's this about? And all of a sudden, Philip shows up, you know, <laughs> God gives him supernatural strength. He runs, he catches up, and I suppose he kind of freaked the eunuch out, but knocks on the carriage door and says, hey, what are you reading? You know? And he says, well, I'm reading this, can you explain it to me? So he explained it to him. But the, the eunuch's response to me is, really imp- is what stri- strikes me here. So, in verse 35 of chapter 8, Philip opened his mouth, began at this scripture, preaching Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Wait a minute. He starts preaching out of Isaiah, but part of his preaching had to have been that you repent and then you get baptized because all of a sudden the eunuch sees water. He says, hey, what hinders me? Can I get baptized? And Philip says, well, if you believe with all your heart, you can. And so they stop the carriage. They pull over. Uh, Philip baptizes the eunuch, and then Philip disappears. (laughs) He didn't even hang around to disciple the guy. You know, but the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. A transformation had taken place through the preaching of the gospel and in the waters of baptism. He believed before he was baptized. He was baptized and he went his way rejoicing. Baptism is so cool. The Apostle Paul in chapter 19 with the Ephesian disciples, you remember Paul went to Ephesus. And he found some disciples, and he asked them, saying, well, have you, had, have you received the Holy Spirit? We haven't heard whether there's a Holy Spirit. And, and uh, Paul says, well, to what baptism were you baptized into? Well, we were baptized into John's baptism, which is a baptism of repentance. And then Paul begins to explain to them how they need to be baptized into the person of Jesus Christ. And so they said, okay, well, let's do this then. So Paul baptizes them. And then they came out of the water and they started speaking with other tongues. The Holy Spirit came upon them. But it's an, it's an amazing thing that Paul said, well, just preaching the baptism of repentance isn't quite enough. You need to know that there is this repentance and then there's a follow-up with water baptism. Do I have you convinced yet? I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> there are several things that baptism is not. Baptism is not salvation. I talked about that a little bit because Romans 10.9 says that you believe in your heart. If you believe in your heart uh, on Jesus and his resurrection and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. I don't suppose that if the Ethiopian eunuch would have tripped getting out of his carriage, fallen and broken his neck and died, he'd have gone to hell because he wasn't baptized. Right? I mean, you know, so... So baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is a step of obedience that comes from, as a command from the Lord Jesus Christ to be baptized. And again, it's a believer's baptism. It's once, you've been, once you have believed and that you get baptized by faith, believing that this is making a difference. It's not just a, a religious exercise that we do to say, that. yep, I got that box checked. You can be baptized by faith, knowing that something is going to transpire in the inner man. Number two, it's not merely an outward sign of an inward work. It is a very real and powerful faith transaction. You know, we have so much given to us by faith. We have so many promises in the word. But those promises that we have remain powerless until they're empowered by faith. It says in Hebrews that the children of Israel couldn't enter into the rest. They had the word preached to them, but they couldn't enter because it was not mixed with faith. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. And it goes down a little later in in Hebrews chapter 4, and it says, "...let us therefore be diligent," To enter into that rest. Why? By faith. Everything that we have, everything that we do is by faith. It's by believing. It's not a head knowledge. We have filled our heads with so much knowledge. It comes as an explosion of revelation. You believe from your heart. You don't believe from your head. Now the head has to catch up with the heart. It does. It, you know, it works together. But I'm telling you that, that true faith is that which is ignited in the heart by the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what part we have in that, except to say yes, except to say, God, show me. God, would you reveal it to me? I'm crying out more now for revelation than I ever have. I mean, I've been saved 45 years. I've been a lot of stuff in the church. But I tell you, right now, I am hungrily pursuing revelation on some things to understand from a deeper place the things that I've known, the things that I've taught, the things that I've preached. And it was good, but how many know that revelation is an ongoing thing? Never be satisfied with the level of revelation that you have. Never just sit back and say, well, I've got this all figured out. I've got less figured out now than I ever have. (laughs) So this baptism is a baptism of faith. It's a faith transaction. The degree to which your baptism will affect you is the degree to which you believe that it's going to affect you. Number three, it's not a membership into a church, a denomination, a system of theology, or any other person that when you are baptizing somebody or when you're being baptized, you're being baptized into the person of Jesus Christ, which includes his finished work his death, his burial, and his resurrection. You are actually being immersed into the person of Christ. So when I baptize, you know, there's this thing about i got to make disciples. Okay, I'm going to make disciples. How do you make disciples? I've found that discipleship comes out of doing life together. I haven't found a lot of success for me in taking a, a, a book and, well, let's go over a book together. Let's, you know, check all the boxes of discipleship. What I've found is that There is something about doing life together with somebody is what making disciples is all about. And that as one that disciples, I am very careful not to disciple somebody after me. If my discipleship doesn't turn people to Jesus, I'm missing the point of discipleship. We are called to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't need another notch on my gun to say that I've done something good for the kingdom. (laughs) You know, I have a feeling when we get to heaven, most of the things that we've done that were good, we won't even know that we did them. That's personal, I guess, personal uh, thing that I have. So let's look at Romans chapter 6. This is kind of the gold standard. Romans 6, Romans 7, uh, it's all about baptism. Uh, A lot of people don't understand that Romans 7 is about baptism, but it really is. Um, It's a continuation of the discussion that Paul is having on baptism. So what does baptism, what does it do? In short, it's being immersed into the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. It's for the crucifixion of the flesh and to administer resurrection power. In baptism, we also die to the law. Do you know that there's several things that you die to in baptism? Paul says that by the law, he has died to the law. You know how important it is to be set free from the law? This is all Romans chapter 7. But that you can actually die, we die in baptism to the law of sin and death. So that we can be resurrected in the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You have to die to the one in order to be married to the other. You have to know by faith that it's no I am no longer under the law of sin and death. So as you enter into baptism, you can enter in with faith that number one, the flesh is being crucified. But number two, the law which agitates the flesh, stirs the flesh, Have you ever tried to stop doing something or be gooder by legalism? Yeah, it doesn't work, does it? It it just doesn't work. I am finding I am loving the law without being legalistic. There's something beautiful about the law, and I'm embracing the law, but I know that I can't be legalistic and try to be better, be do-gooder because of the law. (laughs) And that I am actually being crucified to the law. That's good news. There's another thing that you die to when you're going into the waters of baptism. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He says, I have been crucified to the world and the world has been crucified to me. How many know that we need to be crucified from the dictates of the ruler, the, the God of this age? And all the peer pressure that comes... If you have a problem with standing for Jesus because of peer pressure, because of what other people think that you think about their gender or their style or their lifestyle, whatever it is, you are crucified to the world, and the world is being crucified to you. How many know that we can enter into baptism saying, this is one of the things that I want to leave in the waters of baptism? this whole peer pressure, this whole thing of fearing what the world thinks of me yeah. because I just want to be married to Jesus. <laughs> Several things we die to. It's pretty cool. Yeah, Galatians 2.19 says, For I through the law died to the law. I through the law. In other words, There was a fulfillment of the law in Christ Jesus, and this has to happen. There is a law that you are under the law of sin and death until you die to that law. So I, through the law, died to the law so that I may live to God. I've been just kind of vegging on that as I've been studying baptism again. I've probably preached baptism... I can't even tell you how many times, but I'm excited about it again. This whole thing of being dead to the law. Whoa, whoa, where can you go with that? I tell you, there's some mystery in there I'm not ready to preach yet because (laughs) I'm still being amazed by it. Verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live, I live in the flesh, or that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We're going to just go through Romans chapter 6 again. Romans chapter 6 is uh, just an incredible verse. Romans chapter 6, for the, probably the first 20, 25 years of my life, it was a mystery to me because I was reading things that wasn't my experience. I mean, it says all sorts of things about sin not having dominion over me, um, about, you know, living this resurrected life, and I didn't always feel like I was living a resurrected life, and there's a lot of stuff in Romans chapter 6. How many read Romans 6 and say, that's not my experience, and you get discouraged? That was, that was me, you know, for many years of my walk with Jesus. But I have come to embrace Romans chapter 6 Because it's not that my experience has become perfected with Romans chapter 6, but these are the promises that I can attain to by faith, by believing. Baptism actually gives me an authority to say where my life is not aligning with Romans chapter 6, oh my, is that clock wrong? (laughs) Yeah, okay. It's slow? Is it about a half an hour slow? <laughs> okay, I'm going to put it in hyperdrive. Romans chapter 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? You have died to sin through baptism as we're going to find out. That there is a question because Paul has just preached uh, uh, an uh, astounding message of grace that was so contrary to everything that they had believed up to that point. The Jews, it was all about the law. Now Paul is coming to say, it's not about the law. It's about faith. Look at Abraham. He was justified before the law. And it's not about the law that you are justified by faith. That just blew them away because they had made everything about their works. And Paul says, "You know, so do we continue in sin that grace may abound? Heavens, Murgatroids, no. How shall we who died, who have died to sin, how many, a friend of mine got baptized in the Jordan River. This is before we were saved. He went to the Jordan River. His parents were, were believers, and he got baptized Jordan River, came back to the likes of me. And his testimony is that after he got baptized, he said sin just didn't have the same allure to it. Uh, we were drinking and drugging pretty heavy. And he said, when I got back after being baptized, it just wasn't the same for me. It, it just wasn't the same. Fun it wasn't the same thrill it just it was almost miserable That's what baptism does that's what happens with sin. How many know it's sin isn't any longer enjoyable to you because it's contrary to your new nature. Do you not know that many of you were baptized into Christ Jesus, you were baptized, immersed into, submerged into his death. Therefore we are buried with him in through baptism into death, the just as Christ, just as just as Christ, just as Christ, in the same way that Christ was raised by the dead from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. See, this is more than just a religious exercise. There is a faith that when you come out of the water, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, can you see him in the tomb when life came back into his body? The same glory that raised Jesus from the dead comes into you through baptism so that you can live in newness of life. You're not left powerless to the dictates of the ruler of this age. Therefore, we're buried with him. Verse 5. For if we have been united together, that means to be planted together. That means to be sown in the same pot together. (laughs) If you have been planted together, that you've been immersed together with Christ, closely united to in the likeness of his death. If you were buried and planted together in the likeness of his death, certainly... You know, read this on your own time, but see how positive Paul is about this. He's not wishy washy about this at all. Certainly, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, knowing this, that our old man was crucified, when he speaks, you have an authority to say, Shut up, you're dead. You don't belong here anymore. This is I was buried with, you know, that, that thing was buried with Christ. And I've been raised as a new person. And so that the body of sin might be done away with and that we no longer sins as slaves of sin. He that has died has been freed from sin. How many want to die? You want to die? Die by faith. Get baptized. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we'll also live with him. Knowing this, that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. He died for the purpose of sin. Jesus became your sin. He died as your sin. He died as your sin. Dave Weigel, sin. Was laid upon the cross of Jesus Christ. He died to that sin once for all, not just for Dave Weil, but for everybody. He died for your sin. I got to move on. Romans chapter seven. I just want to hit this real quickly. People think that we're talking about marriage here. It's not about marriage at all. It's talking about baptism. Uh, Romans chapter seven, verses uh, verses one through six. Um, Do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man. The law of sin and death has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she's released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. Uh, Move on down to verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Jesus Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. How many know that we can't bear fruit to God unless we're dead to the law and raised to be married with Christ? He is the life that is in us. It is no longer Dave Weigel that lives and does good things. It is Christ in me, the hope of glory. It is the fact that I have been united with him in the resurrection. I want to encourage you that there's a seed principle, one of the most foundational Dynamics of the Christian faith is the seed principle that um, Jesus said, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it, it lives alone. As long as that seed is living above the surface, it's going to live alone. It will not bring fruit. But when it gets put into the ground and buried, by the way, this thing of being dying with Christ and being buried, you don't want to see a resurrection of a dead person until he's been transformed, <laughs> right? I mean, that's a horror story, to wake up in the grave and think, ah, I'm still alive. That'd be a bummer. (laughs) But except a seed falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. Life in the kingdom comes out of death. Life in the kingdom comes out of death. The death experience that you are kind of in a bummer about right now, they're designed to conform you to the image of Christ. They're designed to bring fruitfulness. You can live with a faith that everything works together for good because you love God and the call according to His purpose. So if you've never been baptized as a believer, or maybe you've never been baptized with a faith of what baptism does, I want to encourage you to uh, come next week and be baptized. I want to encourage, Jay, Brian and Renee are going to be doing the dunking. you know, and it's going to be just a wonderful time. And if you've been baptized and you're okay, and that's okay, then you, you, can, you can chill. But come on and cheer your brothers on. But there's a couple of things. I, I, people ask me, can I be baptized more than once? Yeah. Let me ask you this yeah. Do people ever renew their wedding vows? Well, they do. Yeah. They do. And there are times where it's like I've been born again, again. I've had such encounters with God, it's like, oh, God, I just want to die to my old revelation so that I can come to a new revelation of Christ. And it's always about leaving something and coming, even if that something is good. And, and so much of what we have in Christ is good. But I tell you, there's a season right now where people are being called into a new revelation of Jesus Christ. And that comes by being united with him in this life. So I want to encourage you, if you uh, so feel stirred, it's not a legalistic thing, if it's not done by faith, if it's not done by your choice, it's not going to have any effect anyways. Let's stand together. Did you want to... You'll close it? Father, (laughs) in the name of Jesus, I bless this body. I bless this congregation. Father, there is so many magnificent things in your kingdom that you want to show us. God, I pray that for baptism, it would not be a legalistic thing to anybody, but Lord, that it would be a joyful anticipation of an encounter with you for every person that's getting baptized, for those that are witnessing God, that we would learned the power of baptism, be able to administer baptism when we lead people to Christ. Father, I pray your blessing on this body, and that man in just a short half hour, 45 minutes, there's so much more that could be said, God. But you can say it when their head is upon the pillow. I pray that you continue to stir the truths of what happened in baptism to the believer and what you want to do in baptism. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.